Standing up in McKinney, this is According to Callis. It is Thursday, the 16th of February. Wow, the month is half over already. And oh, and just as a reminder, March the 2nd, yeah, that's 3-2-23. Chris Ann Hall's coming to town. She's going to be at the same place we were on Tuesday night. That's right. Redemption Point Church, 107 East Lamar. Doors open at 6.30. Program starts at 7. If you want to know about the Constitution, if, if you want to be informed, she is one of the premier speakers on that subject. And I would highly encourage you to take the time out and come and join us. So now that I've put my little ad in for the the next thing coming up, let me just remind you before I get into the program, tonight we're going to be talking about popular sovereignty. Now, some of you may know what that means. Some of you may be slightly confused on what it means and what the implications are to that, but we're going to take a little time and we're going to do what I would consider a medium deep dive into that. Since apparently everything is now a deep dive when you spend more than two minutes on it. <clears throat> so ladies and gentlemen, let me just tell you, you want to help me continue to help you like, share, subscribe. That's, that's very, very low bar. If you're uh, particularly enthusiastic, you can go over to your podcast catcher and follow the show, right? It'll auto download the next programs and you can do me a solid. You can rate or comment the show. You can do that, again, through the podcaster or catcher of your choice, or you could just do it right on social media. There's connections through that. Uh, I do appreciate you taking the time to do that. I do my best to give you something fresh and new every day, Monday through Friday, as well as related to timeless ideas and principles and give you a local application. So here we go on with the show high points. We're going to talk about we, the people, local consent and goals all related to that's right. Popular sovereignty. So in case you haven't heard, I'm a proponent of the vote. Give us the vote for Texas, right? Now I know there are a number of people that are not enthusiastic about the potential outcome or the potential uh, implementation of Texan. I get it, but I'm going to ask you to set aside your trepidation, your concerns, and acknowledge that there would be something gained by exercising our popular sovereignty, our ability to determine who should be our leaders, how our country should be formed, right? So regardless if you support it or you oppose it, I really would like to have the question put forth to we the people on the next primary. Yeah, I think it's very important that we know exactly what we're dealing with. Think of it this way. It's a good opportunity to have a lot of hard discussions that we don't have and, and informative debates on topics that are directly related to national sovereignty states' rights, um, federalism, right? The whole balance of power situation. These will all come into play. So 
I, I chose popular sovereignty because I was thinking about this week and I had vested pretty much time into the buildup of our uh, visit from Daniel Miller. And I think I'm a pretty solid uh, spokesperson, even though I'm not an official spokesperson, uh, advocate. How about that? I'm a pretty solid advocate for Texas independence, for uh, state sovereignty, right? Uh, And I won't pretend to have all the details and all the exact information. I depend on the people that actually do the hard research, the people that have invested their time and their energy to do all this investigation so that they can present good arguments in a good, clear, convincing way that these things can be done. Now, I have more than just a base level education. I have more than just a base level interest in these things, but I'm not going to pretend to be an expert. I'm not going to fill you full of uh, malarkey, (laughs) to borrow the uh, president's term of choice sometimes. But what I will do is I'm going to give you the entry level information so that hopefully I'll whet your appetite so that you under want to understand these things. So again, the, the, The term popular sovereignty, I will give you the Wikipedia input to this only because it's pretty hard to screw this up. Popular sovereignty is the principle that the authority of a state and its government are created and sustained by the consent, consent of its people who are the source of all political power. Popular sovereignty being a principle does not imply any particular political implementation. Benjamin Franklin expressed the concept when he wrote that in free governments, the rule, the rulers are the servants and the people, their superiors and sovereigns. Now, I think it's safe to say that that's really not the case in these uh, United States. And in modern times, this is likely to be best understood as being twisted on its head. And, I want to I want to take the time and just think about this. If we the people are the source of the power, right? We as sovereign individuals as created beings, uh we have a certain amount of sovereignty based upon our self-ownership. We get together, we create or form a government to establish rules and determine how we can best work together and live together and not do stupid things to each other, right? Just ideally, we want simple, basic rules, but nobody's going to stay that way forever. I mean, the gatekeepers uh, prevent us from stopping it, and the uh, bureaucrats implement all sorts of things to make our lives challenging. But ideally, the most free government in the world is going to give you the least amount of restrictions so that you as an individual can be successful. You can make something more out of your life. You can create a family and perhaps even a dynasty. These are all possibilities when popular sovereignty is properly exercised. When we, the people realize we are the authority. Now there's a conflict here. And we've talked about this from time to time. There are a large number of people, indeed, possibly half of the population that is actually quite okay with being told what to do and being led around by the nose and not wanting to think. 
Now, I don't want to beat up on those folks because some of them have been trained up that way. Some of them have been raised that way. And some of them were just kind of born into it. it it's, it's just an assumed nature of the world. And we want to do so much more. We want for them to have access to that, for them to understand that. And maybe, maybe we just can't communicate it well to them. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to characterize any of these people because they come from all races, all creeds, all uh, social economic status, whatever you want to call it. There, it cuts across all those boundaries. There's now some people could make arguments that it's more prevalent in other groups. I'm not going to go there. I don't care. For the purposes of this discussion, there is a large segment of our society that wants to be led. They want to be directed on a day-by-day basis. They don't really want to have to think about anything. They just want to be able to exist. I want something more for my life. I want something more for my daughter's lives. I, I would want something more for my grandchildren at some point in the future. But if we continue to allow this, if we continue to tolerate it, it will get to a point that there won't be much future left for them. And how do we fix it? Well, again, through popular sovereignty. We, the people, have to reestablish that we are our own rulers and the people that we elect are our servants. They work for us. Now, one of the deeper notions of this is when you believe in popular sovereignty, when you understand what it is, that means that you reserve the right to change or abolish said government. These words were spoken in the Declaration of Independence. These words were understand or understood by generations of people, but sadly now it seems to be detached or worse yet painted as um, out of date. Old dead white people. That kind of rhetoric. That, that's not helpful for anybody. So let's transition to this now, now that we've kind of laid out what it is, the fact that it's largely dormant, let's look at how a local application of this might play out. See, one thing that the left and the right will agree upon, albeit not at the same time, is local control, right? So the concept that a city should be able to, within reason, run itself how it sees fit, and how it best suits its citizens, what the citizens want. Now, the states create the cities. The states kind of outline the rules of acceptable deviation from their guidelines for the city levels. Um, But we want, typically, for there to be more control at the city level, right? Now, again, that changes depending who's in power and who is who's running things and who's doing what. But as a general rule, at times, we're going to both agree, right and left of this dichotomy, that we want local rule. We want the people in charge of us that are closest to us and therefore generally most receptive or most understanding of our desires to have the most say. Now, when that's true and when that works, that's great. The problem is, many, many times it does not, particularly when you get in a large city. I mean, if you've got a quarter million people in your city, 
Do you really think those seven people on that city council really give a hoot? I want 35 to 60% of the people want. I'm, I'm struggling to find any faith that that's the case. Then when you amp that up to a city that's a million or 2 million or 3 million or 7 million, I mean, even if you make it a half a dozen or a dozen people, I'm sorry, more, right? You add, you got 13 or perhaps uh, 21 members or 19 members. I, I should do my math correctly first in my head uh, of a city council. Again, do you really think they're all that concerned about what we, the people want? Now, I'm not a huge advocate for the notion that you should have a city that's got 5 million people in it or more or even close to it, I don't think it can be run well. I don't think the people that run it have any interest in doing what's best for the majority of the people. They look at it as more of how do we keep them in control? How do we keep them from causing problems? And how do we make them do what it is we want them to do? Now, maybe it's the inner Texan or Texian, if you will, in me. Even as a relocated Midwesterner, I'm just not cool with that idea. All right. I don't need to be led around by the nose on a day by day basis. I don't need somebody telling me what to do and when to do it. Notwithstanding what you do when you get married, but that's a different story. <laughs> we do things together, we, right? We have a plan of what we're looking to accomplish. And if you're doing it well, a husband and wife come together and make decisions and move forward on things. But they work together as a team. They don't need to be led and directed by somebody else outside of the family, which is really what we're talking about. We're talking about people that have no vested interest in your family. And actually, some of them don't even have a vested interest in the community. So how do we get away with this? So why do we tolerate this? Well, it's consent, right? The whole idea of consent. Now, when you get into the medical world, or even sometimes the legal world, the idea of informed consent comes into play. Now, there's a specific legal definition of this. And if we were talking about healthcare or the law, we would probably go down that path. But I'm going to look at it as a bit of a rabbit hole for tonight. I want you to just consider this. We consent to what the people are doing by not voting, by not getting involved, by not speaking up, and quite frankly, by just continually tolerating it. You need not do anything more than just look back the last three years and look at the tyrannical behavior by the county judge in Dallas, the tyrannical behavior by some of the local mayors, the the tyrannical behavior by some of the school boards, right? And and look, I have been upfront from the get-go when all of this nonsense started about three years ago that, yeah, we don't really know what we're dealing with. Maybe we should take a week or two and figure things out and come up with a game plan. But after that, anything else was abuse. It was abuse of power. But we tolerated it. We pretended it was okay. We overlooked it. We consented. What I'm going to suggest to you is whether or not 
you agree with me or you think I'm 100% right or 50% right or 2% right, you need to be involved and you need to be active. The easiest on-ramp to that is in your local government, whether it's the city council, whether it's the county commissioner's court, or whether it's the school board. All of these are easily accessible within, honestly, for probably 90% of the population, 20, 30 minutes at most of a drive. And for those of you that don't drive, uh, get somebody to give you a ride. And look, I'll be the first to admit, most of the time, they don't want to hear what we have to say. It goes with the nature of the position, right? I got elected. I'm the man. Or I'm the, I'm the lady boss. Y'all listen to me now. Because this is how it's going to be. Well, yeah, that's fine. To a point. But when you step out of line. When you abuse your power. When you usurp authority that you didn't have given to you. You need to be wrangled in. And the, we the people, we need to do that. One of the ways we can do that is by withdrawing our consent. Now, this can be kind of a dangerous tool here, right? I mean, you saw what happened when some people in the summer of love withdrew their consent. Some of those quote-unquote peaceful protests turned out to be riots. They turned out to be mob actions. And the sad thing is, is a lot of localities did nothing about it. And I'm not sure if it's because they had a vested interest in the outcome or if it was because the people that should have received those orders to go deal with it didn't consent or were the people in charge of them were fearful that they wouldn't consent. So therefore they didn't issue the orders. Either way, it's a scary proposition. But again, no consent and the game is over. The mask mandate ended in Texas quite quickly because we just quit doing it. And, you know, now three years later, oh, well, you know, those masks really weren't all that useful or helpful to anybody. And uh, there's very little clinical evidence to suggest that there's any benefit to be given. It was just a placebo so you could feel better. Okay, that's my words. But the reality is, is almost everything that they did was a wild stab in the dark. It was just to manipulate the masses and see what they could get us to do by consenting. Now, fortunately, there's enough of us in Texas, right? The Texians and the Tejanos that said, yeah, we're not going to play this. Now, what's interesting to me is occasionally, you know, three years later, I'll run across somebody that's still masked up. I'm not going to ask them why I'm sure at this point uh, it's motivated by one of two things. One, they have a legitimate fear for whatever reason, or two, they're actually sick or have been exposed to somebody and they think they're doing us a favor. So they got it by that reckoning, a 50% probability that they're actually trying to be helpful. So why would you give somebody like that a hard time? I don't. I wouldn't. I mean, I do kind of roll my eyes when I see people driving in a car by themselves with a mask on. But look, you can do what you want to do. 
I, I wholeheartedly support the notion that you have that level of self-ownership and that you can do what you want to do. I'm not going to stop you. Likewise, I'm not going to consent to somebody else doing that to me. I'm not going to wear a muzzle. I'm not going to get shot up. I'm not, I'm not going to do these things unless there is a valid reason. And being told to do so is not a valid reason. Those are unlawful orders. They're in violation of my rights. And quite frankly, public health does not trump my constitutional rights, my God-given constitutionally guaranteed rights. But there are those um, that would be quite good with that. that. They would consent to me being abused and me being violated. And, and not just me, many other people. That should concern you. That should bother you because we're the ones that are at the front line saying, well, no, you shouldn't do that. You can't do that. This, this is uh, not appropriate and should not be tolerated. All right. So we're talking about popular sovereignty. We've kind of looked at the idea that it's we, the people I've given you an example of a local application talked about the idea of consent, right? The consent of the governed. What's the goal callous? Why are you telling us about this? What's the point? Okay. So notwithstanding Texas, right? Notwithstanding my interest in that and why this comes to play, because, you know, I support the notion that we should be able to get to, (laughs) we should be given a chance to vote. Sorry about that, folks. Uh, It needs to be put out as a referendum. There are bills currently available that will go through, hopefully the Texas House, probably the Texas Senate, I suspect they'll be killed like they have been in previous years because they fear us. I mean, the only reason why you would try and kill that is because you are not confident in what the outcome was. I mean, if they were confident that 65% of the people were going to say, heck no, we don't want Texas. Of course they would run with it. I mean, if they thought this was a pipe dream and there was no chance of it ever happening, why wouldn't they do it? That that would just paint everybody else as a bunch of wackadoos and they could laugh it off and move on and never pay attention to anybody again. The reality is they're very, very fearful that it would pass. And then they would know that they really don't have the consent of the people. And that would be in conflict with their goals, right? More control. More direct control over we the people. So their goals are almost always more control, more power, and more money. I can't fault somebody that wants more money. I, I, I can't really fault somebody that wants more security. But what I can do is say, you don't need to control me. You don't need to dictate what I should be doing in my life or anyone else that isn't you. But that's not where they stop. That's, so what are the goals? Well, one, we have to exercise our popular sovereignty, right? Every day. Chris Ann Hall calls it peaceful noncompliance, right? 
I would say just withdraw your consent. Now, look, if you're driving down the road and you're doing 90 miles an hour in a 55 mile per hour speed limit area and you get pulled over, you're going to get a ticket. And if you're smart, you're just going to be a nice guy and hand the officer your paperwork, get your ticket and go home. But if you're walking down the street and somebody hassles you for, let's call it a not real violation of any law, you don't have to consent. If if somebody demands to see your ID and you're not driving a car, you're under no obligation to provide any ID unless, of course, you're being um, charged with a crime, right? Then you have to prove who you are. There are, there are so many things here that if we would just exercise the rights, if we would just withdraw the consent of the abuse and quit just going along to make, quote unquote, your life easier, right? That That's always the line. Every cop show I've ever watched, well, we can make this easy. We can help you out if you'll just give us what we want, says every mobster every time. So again, if you're in the wrong there's no reason to be a jerk. But if you've done nothing wrong and somebody's hassling you, you don't have to go along with it. You can withdraw your consent. You have to be smart about it. You have to pick your battles. They issue an edict from the state or the county or the city telling the church that you can't open up. I don't know about you but I'm going to show up at that church because my expectation is we're going to have a church service. Don't get me started on that again. Everything's connected. The goal is we want to maximize personal liberty. We want to protect our sovereignty and we want to, quite frankly, improve Texas. Right now, if you were to line up all the 50 states of the union in most measures, Texas is going to be in the top three, right? Whether it's uh, economy size, population, um, growth, all these different things will be in the top three on the vast majority of them. Economic freedom. Not so sure. Tax responsibility. Definitely not going to be there. These are all things that are fixable, addressable, but you just have to have somebody willing to do it. And again, this goes back to exercising your popular sovereignty. Show up, talk, speak on the issue. And before I labor this any further or belabor this any further, I'm I'm closing in at the uh, witching hour here. I've said this time and time again, pick the one thing, the one issue that most concerns you, that most animates you study on it, know about it then go speak on that issue. You should be a strong advocate for the thing that's important to you. You should be willing to speak on it publicly. You should be willing to have open discussions with people about it. You have to be your own advocate because quite frankly, our government only advocates for more government. Our government isn't concerned about we, the people, nor would we expect that at this point in time? So that means we have to step up to the plate. We have to be involved. We have to get off our butt. 
The complacency is killing us. So I'm asking you, ladies and gentlemen, take a little time, invest in the concept of popular sovereignty, learn about what you can do, what your rights are, and by all means, exercise your consent when you're informed. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, this has been According to Callus, and I will see you on the other side. Canceled by the big tech mafia, but inadvertently profiting from owning their stocks in a mutual fund or ETF. At Two Pillars, they believe that censorship is a form of violence and a business practice that does not promote human flourishing. In many cases, through their investigative screening process, they can help you divest from companies that are denying your God-given inalienable right to speak freely. Hey, patriots, Two Pillars believes it's time for conservatives to align their values and investments. Two Pillars is your place for impact investing in the parallel economy. Find out what's in your investment portfolio with a complimentary portfolio review. Contact them today to learn more. Call toll-free at 833-377-0051 or send an email to info at twopillarsam.com. That's info at T-W-O Pillars am.com get started today advisory services are offered through jacob and boaz asset management llc doing business as two pillars asset management or two pillars a registered investment advisor in the states of texas and california two pillars is not endorsed by any government agency and is not engaged in the practice of law or tax advice